Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. I'm excited about this one today. There has been a lot of talk about how we're going to start the school year, if we're going to be virtual, if we're going to be uh, in person, is there going to be a hybrid? And the most talk I've seen is on learning pods. Um, today's guest is Mike Ting. He is the CEO of a company called Swing Education. And this is going to be an interesting one because Swing Education has made a pivot and starting to um, build a lot of solutions for parents that are looking for uh, learning pods and micro schools, whatever you want to call them. Uh, And we get into a lot of interesting discussions on equity and who gets what and why this is a good solution and and how they might be able to build it. and there was a definite, uh, a lot of back and forth on this one. So if you are a parent, I uh, highly recommend you listen to this one. If you're a teacher, it would like some of your feedback as well. Uh, I know there's been a lot of um, requests. We had an interview with a, a, a person named Kevin, Dr. Kevin Burkhopes. We'll probably circle back with him because this, this is one that is just a, a hot topic. So for those and many reasons, I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. Let's get right into it then with Mike Ting of Swing Education. So uh, somebody reached out to me and said, hey, you got to talk to Mike. Um, and I saw the, the two words that have, have appeared a lot in the last week, learning pods. And uh, took a look at your website and was like, yeah, yeah, let's have this conversation on the podcast. So welcome. Appreciate you being on. And um, let's, let's get right into it, okay? Yeah, great. Sounds good. Thank you. So tell me about Swing Education. Sure. So Swing Education, I started Swing with a couple of high school friends five years ago. And we provided substitute teachers or do provide substitute teachers to schools and districts and have been doing that for five years now. And, you know, I mean, I guess I'll I'll also just jump right into it. Um, Three weeks ago, we started having a lot of announcements all over the country, particularly in California, where we're based that school districts were going to open this fall all virtual. And I think what that meant for a lot of families was that they suddenly needed to figure out how they were going to deal with having their kids being at home five days a week. And we immediately had parents. So one, you know, there was this two or three day period where we were trying to figure out what that meant for our substitute teacher business this fall, which um, all virtual means that, schools and districts don't need a lot of substitute teachers. Right. And then at the same time, we started getting parents sort of organically finding us as a place where you would go to find teachers, so to speak. And then we had other businesses reach out to us that normally work with parents also saying that they have parents reaching out to them asking if they know any other companies that can provide teachers. And so we just pretty quickly put two and two together and went from feeling like maybe we weren't really going to have much business at all this fall to, well, there's this other thing and it helps a lot of our teachers with finding work and an income for this fall. If school districts aren't going to provide that, then, and I think it was a good match. So, you know, we've been heavily, heavily steeped in learning pods now for, for forever since the beginning of learning pods, which was three weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, like, (laughs) In one way, like I like this is interesting how you guys have made the pivot and you already had the infrastructure and and um and then you start look, taking a look at the realities of yeah, I mean 
no need for substitute teachers, but there is a huge need all of a sudden for, for learning pods. I've, right. I have had, um, matter of fact, I'll probably be doing another episode with a, with a guy here locally who's called me and, and he's like, the phone's ringing off the hook. Um, it's just, uh, you know, well, I'll, you know, I'll have you explain why you think that there's been such a huge demand. Well, I would not, I mean, I'm a big supporter of public education. I guess I'll, I'll start there. And I left, uh, you know, a good software engineering job here in Silicon Valley to go into education reform. And so I worked at the charter school serving low-income um, populations in San Jose for five years as the head of instructional technology. And that was before starting Swing. And I, I would never describe schools as childcare. And yet I think the biggest gap that has emerged once schools have announced across the country that they're closing their doors physically, either part-time or full-time, is, is one of childcare. So if you are um, a family where both parents work, maybe, maybe even one parent work trying to work from home, I think it becomes really, really difficult to do, have work-life balance really um, while the kids are at home. And depending on the kids' age, it can be really difficult to kind of keep them engaged in learning, online learning for a full school day or a full work day. So I think that that was a very, very acute need that was felt um, by all, all parents. I have pre-K kids. So for me, shelter in place when it was announced um, where I live in March was really tough for the first two months when we were really, me and my wife both work and we were kind of on our own trying to split each day. And so I'm extremely empathetic to parents with school age kids that are, you know, heard those announcements and, and kind of didn't know what to do. I mean, I think everyone at some point is just trying to keep their job and, and keep their head above water at work. Um, no one, no one, I think wants to like, even if they hate their job, they probably aren't, aren't thinking about quitting in this economic <laughs> environment either. Um, and so I think we're all looking for some certainty and stability. And, and I think pods was one way for parents to kind of grasp at that and get it. And yeah. so we, we saw like, we're, I would say, I feel a lot of desperation from the parents that are coming to us for how, how we can help, um, or the need that they feel. So uh, I, I too, so I, this is, I, I taught for 21 years and now I'm a, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not in the classroom anymore. And so this has disrupted our day and, and disrupted right. our time. And, and, um, you know, my wife has a little bit of flexibility, but for the most part, and, and, and we're kind of out of the woods. Our youngest is in middle school and, uh, there's some other circumstances, you know, like, because they're kind of on a blend right now that they're a day on day off, day on day off. But all of a sudden when they announced that, you know, you know, when, when this whole thing hit earlier on, uh, especially in my son, it, it took a while <laughs> and by a while it, it was, it was difficult. Um, so when all of a sudden school was rolling back around and then there were some schools that are saying, Hey, it may be October, you know, which by the way, I'm, I'm in Indianapolis and Indianapolis public schools just announced they're not going until October. Right. My wife, we're, we're outside of Indianapolis. She's like, I swear to God, it, like, I don't know if we can do this. Um, yeah. 
And, and that's why I, then all of a sudden people were like talking about the learning pods and, and without a doubt, like the only, the only thing that really, um, and, and this is the awkward part of the interview, I'm sure. But like the only thing that's is really deeply concerning me is uh, the students and the families that don't have a internet access and B the ability to afford a pod. Have yeah. you seen any activity out there to try to, um, you know, get funding from the schools uh, that they could like, are, are they trying or is it kind of like, yeah. you know, our, our money's here at the school only? So I'll say a few things and, and I don't think it's awkward. I mean, I, I understand that there is backlash against um, parents that who can afford it. Um, and I think that there's been a bit of a narrative that I, that we're not seeing, frankly, that rich parents are, are creating these micro schools and leaving out poor kids. And, uh, you know, what, when we see is more the sentiments that you're describing for yourself, which is, I think you both feel like you wanted and need it to survive <laughs> your own lives as you guys have built it. And at the same time, you're thinking about the people who don't have access to this. And I, I think that that's the majority of the, of the groups that we're seeing or people we're talking to. I think we've seen some school districts, um, I would call out San Francisco here, as trying to do innovative things. They're using a lot of unused city spaces across the, across the city in order to kind of like have these smaller cohorts and things like that. It's, it's ultimately a pretty expensive thing for school districts to support on their own without additional funding. And I think we would all probably be better off if the government were to provide sufficient funding for school districts to do something like this on their own. Um, I think even then there would be some challenges around staffing up quickly that I think a company like mine could help with. But that said, I, I would be, I, I would love to see school districts doing this more on their own. We are trying to partner with school districts that we already worked with on our substitute teacher business, as well as to help them locate funding from foundations and other philanthropy in order to help subsidize this for low-income families that are our school district partners, um, or maybe ones who aren't. And so we're trying to do something about it too. I, I also feel, I mean, as much as it's a part of our business now or my business, I, I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way that there are going to be kids who can't afford this. And it's about, for us, the same cost as private daycare. So we've tried to make it pretty affordable for families that, you know, at some point we're maybe used to paying that cost, but it's out of reach for most people. Yeah, I, 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 Agree. Uh, matter of fact, there's one thing that, you know, I, I just do not appreciate is the social media, um, you know, oh, let's point out everything wrong. Well, I, like people are trying and like you're, you're creating some solutions. And quite frankly, you know, you, I'm sure that you guys, like you said, you're looking into other options. I, uh, it, it's, it's darn if you do, darn if you don't in a lot of situations. Yeah. And, and in yeah. some cases, I mean, like, well, look, I mean, like in some cases, this is also what's called early adopters, right? Not everybody can right. afford certain things. And then like the price goes down because those first wave of people kind of, in some ways, buy the right to be first. And that's the market. Like, that's just the market. 
And right, while right. I want everybody to have a Tesla and have the, the newest iPhone and everything else, the reality is the reality. That being said, I'm deeply, deeply concerned though on, on the gap of that. And, and look, I mean, like you said, you're, you're looking into it and you're, you're trying to find ways. And I, I love that. Um, I, I agree with your last point of like, maybe the school should start taking this, you know, more seriously. I do. I mean, like I'm an innovation guy. So the, 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 everybody shut it down and let's not have this conversation and it's, it's dividing people. No, like letting people start figuring things out and letting people get some feedback needs to happen as long as there's some sort of a pathway out of this and saying, okay, what are, what are best practices? What worked? What didn't work? Maybe some schools are open up to it. Maybe they can start working with some teachers that don't want to go into the building and they want to go to houses, uh, YMCA. Right churches i mean the smaller cohorts right yeah absolutely. smaller groups and 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 then i and then i think you know heck my sister probably will be listening to this one because the, the the discussion my my sister's been a, a homeschool um co-op leader for 20 years <laughs> she she's out there going wow. yeah yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. So that's my yeah. other question. I mean like have you been listening to some and getting some feedback from some homeschool co-op people? Have they given you an insight or, or has this been like quick pivot? You're learning as you go. We are definitely learning as we go. Uh, we have gotten insights, particularly into businesses that serve those homeschool groups into, you know, so uh, this is, this is the kind of progression for us, right? One is just a, a business realization that this is a real need in the market and that we're happy to help try and meet that need, especially because it supports our teachers that were already working with us. And then I think the first thing that's a need to have if you're going to form a pod is an educator. Uh, maybe it's other families, actually. So like you form it with other families and then you actually need an educator. And so that, I think, is the step one. And I think a lot of our pods, um, first days of school out here or for our pods tend to be the first ones will start next week. And then most of them actually start either the 17th or 24th and so of August. And so you know, I'm looking ahead to the one, two, three weeks out and realizing that, yeah, our educators and our pods, these basically temporary homeschool groups are going to need that curriculum support and other academic supports. And they'll get some of that from their local school districts, um, by and which, like, largely that's the, where the curriculum and instruction or primary curriculum will come from, because most of our pods are customers where the students are enrolled in public school. But I think there's a lot to learn from homeschool groups that have already been doing this for, for years. Yeah. So tell me about like the, the bubbles. I mean, like, are, are you guys trying to work with local school districts and then like keep them on the same path and the same track or are the bubbles kind of like kind of a universal, this is probably where you should, you should be at this grade in this time. No, we're trying to keep them kind of on track with the school curriculum. Um, and I think that that's by and large what the pod families are asking us for. Okay. Um, because when I was looking over your um, website, and, and, and pardon me, like literally this, <laughs> this got arranged pretty quick. Uh, I was looking into like the bubbles. Uh, yeah. Ex explain a little bit of that. Yeah, so, you know, Bubbles is a basically our pod learning service. Um, I call it Bubbles because around here people had talked previously about creating kind of social bubbles and things like that. And so the what's normally happening is families have already formed 
pods and then they come to us and it's usually one parent out of that pod group that comes to us and provides us with the information that we need to start looking for a teacher for them for their pod group and so um, if you come to us just as an individual family uh, asking us to match you with other families that's not as high a priority for us right now because we have enough pods that are sort of coming to us fully formed if you will um, there's definitely other companies that can help parents that are just looking for other families first um, but then we provide all of the kind of like legal agreements um, all of the teachers are w2 employees of swing education and so they're getting kind of like full access to if if COVID were to get worse god forbid and, and we had to shut down pods too then they would get unemployment um, if their hours were cut because schools reopen they would again kind of receive unemployment benefits they're under our workers comp insurance and so they would receive workers comp benefits if they were to contract covid and so we're trying to make sure that we have all of these liability things in place insurance things in place so that we can do this as responsibly and safely as we can mm. so are you also seeing a lot of people that like have already chosen a you know like a, a five or six neighbor kind of thing and they come to you in groups already or are they kind of yeah like so they're they're typically coming to us in groups already i would say the average is sort of two to three families and five to six kids okay and then and then how do you also vet uh like where their location is or or do you guys get into that yeah we i mean um we're talking to the pods about like what kind of space do you have? Where is this going to be set up? Is it going to be primarily outdoors if you can do it that way? Um, trying to get a sense for how much they've thought about what some of the safety precautions are that they should be taking. And so, you know, we'll certainly make recommendations. And then that's actually one of the questions that we're getting from teachers. And it's been kind of interesting because we didn't, um, like some of the questions we're getting from teachers are like, so what is the space that I'll be teaching and look like? And we yeah. hadn't yet. I mean, it's a little awkward to go to these families and say, hey, can you take some photos of your office or living room or backyard patio or whatever? Yeah, well, I mean, right. Well, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking of like 10,000 other things too. I mean, like, obviously, if they reach out to you, it's a little bit different. But like separation of church and state, is it okay if a uh, local church hosts it? Well, yep. probably. And, you know, yep. and obviously. We're talking like, to, we're actually literally talking to a couple church groups because you know, more power to them. Those church groups reached out to us. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of questions. I, I'll say this, like, and I think that there's just not a lot of, and this totally makes sense. There's not a lot of regulation written specifically for a lot of these scenarios. right? Because <laughs> they're right. Um, you and, know, and, like, yeah. And, and again, that's why I am, I'm doing it for you. Like in the sense that I'm patting you on the back on this one because like there is 10,000 things that could be different and could be better, but you have to try and start. And I know, I, I know I'm going to get emails or angry. Well, you're, you're, you're dealing with kids' lives. True, but you're setting up pods with already people that are in their life. They've been vetted and it's not, and we're trying to create solutions fast. And, 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 and so I guess that's my next question. Like, how are you guys getting how are you closing the feedback loops? You know, uh, like what's working, what's not, and how do you make, you know, pivots? 
Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think as a, I think as a business, we have always, you know, taken our customer input super seriously, and we have a lot of stakeholders, right, that we work with in in any kind of thing that we're doing, like whether it's school districts, uh, the employees in that school building, so principals, vice principals, teachers, um, our substitute teachers, uh, and our educators that we've always tried to try to speak to. Um, and now, now also parents, right, or school district partners too. And so, I think that you know we'll find out pretty quickly. Um, people don't seem to be too shy about letting us know when something isn't working. Um, and so, I, I, I'm sure we'll get that feedback, and I'm sure we'll have to make some things better. Uh, I think, you know, what I try to impart on our employees, our our kind of like HQ team, if you will, is really just that. Look, if to the extent that there aren't super clear cut rules in place, we should try and think about what it is that both sides here, either the parents or students or the teachers would want to get out of it and try and get as close to that as possible, right? I mean, really kind of do the right thing. And then if there are regulatory agencies that kind of come after us for us attempting to do the right thing, then, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them. Um, I think hopefully we'll we'll rely on people to be the human side of people um, over the next few months uh, and year, really to to kind of come to fruition. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I, I just heard so much about it, and, and so many people have been calling and asking, and um, I knew I was going to do a, a podcast on this sooner or later. And kudos to your team to to have them reach out and, and inquire about the the podcast because. Uh, this is definitely something that's weighing on people's minds and um, you know, kudos, yeah. also kudos to you for you guys for, for giving this a try and having those feedback loops and get data and try to do what's right for, for kids. And uh, yeah, just putting yourself out there. So, yeah. And, and I mean, I think ultimately pods, pods, opening schools, opening the economy more widely, none of these things are without additional risk, right? Like the only, the only thing that eliminates your risk right now of COVID is really just to like close all the windows, make sure you don't interact with any other humans outside your house, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, I think it just doesn't really work in the, like it, it can't work like that forever. And I think that's, that's where kind of pods comes in. That's where the pressure to open schools comes in. And ultimately, I would encourage everyone to kind of think about what are the risks and what are the benefits? Like, let's not forget that there's real benefits to having your kids interact with other kids uh, and getting that kind of social and social emotional learning and interaction. Um, And is it, is it worth the risk? And I think different people have different risk tolerances, different people have different reasons to weigh those risks differently. Um, Especially right now with like, you know, who knows what people's home situations is, if there's grandparents living there, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, I think I try and do that for myself personally. I do that for our business and like in the actions that our business takes. And I think hopefully everyone, you know, can think about things that way too, that there are benefits here um, that may outweigh the risks. Yeah. Well, I, I sincerely appreciate the fact, and, and you know, you guys are looking into, you know, how to hopefully, work with the schools. Uh, boy, I, I hope that's the magic bullet right there. I, you know, as these pods ideas uh, possibly spread again, based on if it's successful or not, uh, just man, really want to see more kids get served. Um, if nothing else, just for the high speed internet, 
uh, and, and being able to keep up. And, and, you know, like Jamal, I, I've got a Friday segment, Jamal and I have a conversation and we, we <laughs> kind of, uh, made some people scratch their head because in, in the podcast, Jamal said, Hey, let's, let's call it what it is. It's okay to also admit that the school is part child daycare, like, because people have to work. And he says, you know, it, at be, you know, it, it, hopefully it's always educational, good child, you know, daycare, right. but people rely on this so they can also provide for the family. So he's like, this is something we have to take into account and, and uh, providing kids a, a, a safe space, uh, a space where they can still learn, get the assets and get the digital, you know, things that they need is of the most importance. Cause I tell you, falling behind even further. Uh, gosh, the average child got out in what March and this is, you know, we're heading up on this is August. So that's a long, long gap. So I, I, I tip my hat to you guys for trying to provide some solutions and figure it out and, and, uh, hopefully move forward. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that. Yeah. So swingeducation.com. Uh, anything else you want to tell us, uh, you can go there if you're a teacher that's interested in providing or if you're looking for a pods for both people. Yep. Um, yeah, they've even got. Yep. You know. And if you go to um, pods, pods.swingeducation.com, uh, you'll see all about our kind of bubbles service or learning pod service. And if you add a slash sponsor in there too, and for people that are interested in sort of oh. sponsoring a low income student, um, you know, you can get more information about how to do that as well. Awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you for, for the quick turnaround. I, I appreciate this podcast and really, uh, you know, best of luck to you guys. And uh, I'll, may, I'll, I'll probably reach out to you and get, get a follow-up on and see how things are going here in about two or three months. Sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Right. Have a good one. Thank you, Mike. Bye.